0: You're listening to the Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys Podcast, and I'm excited to have Pastor Kyle Edelman on today. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, good, Billy. Great to uh, be back with you. So um,
0: it's been a while since we last chatted, and you've got a new book coming out. The book is called Grace is Greater. And, you know, the first time I saw the, the title of the book, I'm always intrigued by the word grace because I feel like it's one of those words that we always sort of throw around, and I don't mean that in a bad or disparaging way, but as Christians, we always sort of throw it around. We hear it a lot. It's obviously an important word, but we hear it so much that I feel like sometimes it loses its meaning or there's confusion about maybe what yep. it means and how we apply apply the concept and, and the reality to our lives. And so I wanted to just open with, I'm going to just throw the question out to you. Uh, what is grace?
1: Well, you know, I have uh, read before that one of the Challenges for um, any communicator is you know, to make the familiar new and the new familiar, right? So when you're defining and talking about a word like grace, the to your point, the challenge is that it gets dismissed or it becomes an, you know, an acronym, and we define it that way and um, then move on. So what I have wanted to do in the book is rather than defining it with words, which I think. Uh, has been done quite well by, you know, numerous, perhaps more academic books, I can't say mine's overly (laughs) academic, is to help people define grace as an experience. So that instead of saying, hey, here's, you know, it's God's riches at Christ's expense type of approach, which isn't wrong, but it, it misses the, um, an understanding of grace that, that is required. So let me give you a parallel to this would be, um, like if you say to me, Hey, can you define romantic love? I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I could, I I could, I could define romantic love and and we could talk about the neural chemical reactions in the brain when you're in love. And, And there is certainly room for, um, For that definition and explanation, but ultimately, if you want to define romantic love, you have to be in love. It's it's understood in part by way of explanation, but it is better understood or more fully understood by way of experience. And so, it's one of the reasons I really wanted to write this book is um, is because I saw within our church and um, and and in preaching and and teaching in different places the need for us to Rediscover grace to to uh, make the familiar new by defining it as an experience. So not just in a, in a in a doctrinal, you know, the that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but in a here's a story, here's my story of what that what that looks like. And so the 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 focus of the book is meant to uh, to Define grace or help grace be understood through experience rather than through explanation. Um, so I don't want to dodge it, but but does that make sense?
0: No, totally. I think well, and it's funny you say that because I feel like so many things it, it's that way. You know, we try to define them on paper, we try yeah. to you know get a definition down, but yet we're not really sure what it looks like in practice or what it feels like. And yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. I, I think we need. More of that and, and seeing other examples of how people do it, explanations of how they're feeling and what that is, is I think is a helpful thing for each person's experience in, in, in the faith.
1: You know, as you say, an example of, uh, of that from uh, you know, from what I see is, you know, you can you can tweet, um, you know, a short uh, definition or explanation of grace or, you know, you can read a story of somebody's life that has been transformed by grace or their past that has been redeemed by grace and i would make the argument that this story is going to teach me more about grace in the gospels we see this with with jesus of course where he doesn't teach on the subject of grace doesn't use the word grace um, but he tells us stories like the prodigal son and he gives us narratives that help us unpack it, which I think is really important to do with a word like grace that we, um, you know, that, that we let it, we, we personalize it and, um, let it marinate a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I think, you know, as a, as a journalist and just telling people stories, one of the things that, has always stood out to me. I spent 5 years working at the Blaze, you know, which has a conservative audience, you know, and but we we were telling stories in a fair way, by, you know, but tailoring them to the audience we knew we had. Lots yeah. of lots of Christians in that audience. And one of the things that we realized, I mean, you could tell bad stories all day long and so much in the news is bad, but the stories of people who went from atheism to Christianity are not even just atheism, but just Really being a nun, an n o n e, not really being as associated with faith, and coming into faith, those stories and how that happened and the details of all of that, um, yeah. those were the stories that resonated the most among among people, and they were ended up being positive stories. But it was that I think it was that relation to the story and understanding. Okay, this is what made this person change. Right, that the power yeah. of that God has can literally change somebody's entire life and who they are and how they speak. And there's something really powerful about that. And I think we sort of crave internally those stories, right, of, of change. And so I, I love that and seeing how grace, you know, impacts people's lives. Let,
1: yeah, let me ask, do, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that, I, you know, I do think, you know, a, um, a way to look at, you know, genre, where a story invites a story, where um, the, the more it is um, oh, uh, a, a genre of teaching, and, and it brings us in perhaps more um, mentally or intellectually, but when I hear a story, it, it draws my heart in, uh, I see myself in the story, or I connect it without even intentionally doing so to, to my own experience. Um, and, and I do think that is, to go back to your original point, I do think that is a, uh, something that we really need with, with the word grace, that to engage it on a deeper level, it, it's going to require uh, pulling in more than you know, just kind of a, a mental um, a, agreement that where we're filling in blanks on a piece of paper, that you know, it, it, has to, it has to engage our hearts in a more personal way.
0: Now, let me let me ask you this. What do you think the church gets wrong collectively, maybe, about grace? And when we talk about grace, what do you think, and you may have spoken to this a little bit already, but I'm just curious to ask you more pointedly, you know, what can we do better? What are we getting wrong as, as a church?
1: You know, one of my favorite verses that I, I use throughout this book was is Hebrews twelve fifteen, where it just says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up uh, to cause trouble and defile many. And I, I think within the church, uh, you know, our call is to see to it that no one misses it. And, and that idea of of misses it, it can also be translated as that no one fails to experience, that no one fails to receive, that no one fails to obtain. Um, and, and so as a as a church leader, then, my call in that, my responsibility in that, is not to just say, see to it that everyone can explain or understand is that they have received obtained or experienced and, and within the church when that happens when it gets missed what hebrews 12 says is that it, it plants this seed and a bitter root or poisonous root kind of grows up and, and i think you see that within the church where where uh, you know, a generation can come in and say, "You know, I understand these things, or I learned these verses or these doctrines." But if grace got missed when when they were in the church, um, a bitter root can start to grow. An, an example of that um, came for me when I was on the Facebook page of a of a girl that was a few years ahead of me in in high school, and uh, she had on her Facebook page quoted um, Gandhi, where Gandhi says, you know, I I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And then when I read that quote, it reminded me of, you know, 20 years earlier when um, she was in high school and, and she had gotten pregnant. We went to the same church and a number of the parents, you know, didn't want her to come to the youth ministry because they didn't want their kids to you know, be exposed to that or, you know, and, and so what was, you know, communicated to her was, you know, you you you're, can't come in that condition, essentially. Well, at the time that hurt, I'm sure, uh, in significant ways, but that bitter root grows and it, that hurt turns to, to bitterness and turns to anger. And so my experience as a pastor is oftentimes that people who grew up in the church and now are very bitter, angry to the church, towards the church, it's for this reason. It's that they um, heard about God, but they missed out on experiencing grace. Um, and, and so as a church, you know, our goal then is to to let people experience it through our love and through our community. And that um, that's the way primarily that they will experience it rather than um, by way of just teaching or, or explanation, um, alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: take me through, um, Grace is greater, you know, why you wrote the book. Obviously you have concern about, about some of these issues, but take me through maybe the catalyst for writing the book and what you're hoping people will take away from it.
1: Yeah. The catalyst for me was, um, two things. Number one, just, you know, an overflow out of what God was, um, teaching me and convicting me of as a pastor and as a church leader that you know see to it that no one misses the grace of God and I became aware of um, my tendency to oftentimes preach and teach in a way that would call people towards conviction that would challenge people you know in some area of their life, but could run the risk of uh, people missing god 's grace and so I, I just became more convicted of that um, that this is something I'd I need to not uh, overlook. Or I I need to be intentional with this. The the other aspect of this is that I, you know, in being a pastor for more than twenty years, I, I just see the the bitterness and the anger that a lot of people live with. They have been hurt in ways that oftentimes I can't imagine, and that bitterness and anger from something that was done to them, you know, it poisons a lot of their current relationships. It it embitters them towards God for letting something happen and 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 so um i my my goal oftentimes is to help people receive god's grace so that they'll be able to give god's grace and um and that that's really what i wanted to accomplish with this book is that people would understand that that grace flows that i receive it and and then i'm i'm able to give it and um and then when i can't give it it's because i'm not receiving it the way i need to uh, and, and so as a church who has received God's grace in beautiful and significant ways, that, that should be evident in how we love and how we are, are um, gracious with other people in our life. Um, one of the ways I, I try to challenge us in this is by saying, hey, you know, the degree to which I am willing to give grace and forgive someone else in my life is the degree to which I understand the grace that God has given me. And um and, and that's you know, it's just something I I underestimate how many people and to what degree people are dealing with kind of this this bitterness, this anger um that has built up because of something that was done to them.
0: Yeah, and I feel like, you know and I'm not getting political here at all, but I think we're living in a in a social time where there's a lot of unrest, a lot of debate, people on both sides fighting constantly. Um, you have these these things that emerge that create disdain and dislike and distrust among people who have different beliefs or lifestyles. Um, you know, how do you what What's your advice to people who feel for on either side that they're under assault, that they're that they they're scared maybe? And you know, what's your advice for how they in terms of thinking about grace for others? Should be handling themselves and keeping themselves in check in light of all of that chaos and all of that disdain that seems to be flowing in every direction.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, of course, Jesus is just our model for these things, and and um, Jesus in so many ways was unoffendable because he understood who he was and understood God's love for humanity, and um, and that you know that made him um, treat people with grace that. Um, did not deserve it, right? So you know he he is our model for that, and and yet um, you know it is it's a it is a, a challenge because there's within us this uh, strong sense to of justice of you can't treat me like that, and you know you need to you know you need to make things right. I remember as a kid, you know, my parents taught me that. When you hurt someone, you need to you need to make it right. That was the phrase he used: make it right, make it right. And and so when I would make it right, then I would receive forgiveness, right? And um and it created within me this idea that I can only give grace to people when they make it right. So when he or she recognizes that what they said was wrong or was disrespectful or was unfair, and they make it right, then I will give grace. But that is not at all. The biblical model of grace. You know, it's that we didn't make it right. It's that we don't deserve it. And it's in that moment that God demonstrated his grace to us um, through Jesus. And so, you know, when we as Christians model that, I think it's very compelling. It's much more compelling than any argument or any passionate defense we might put up that when when we model that kind of genuine, um, not condescending, not patron, patronizing, but genuine love and grace for people um that it it is you know it's much more compelling anyway because it stands in contrast to how human nature and how our culture especially at this time uh, approaches differences and offense
0: i love it well this has been great we're going to make sure we link out to grace's greater and we'd love to have you back on the show sometime soon
1: yeah man I, i would love to be on anytime thanks billy